Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary peoples alike, you know what that music means. It's time for another amazing, fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up episode 69, and that music you heard today was the new Padres anthem, All Nine Innings, by Rob Stone. Check out Rob Stone, by the way. Shout out to him everywhere. Uh, check out Young Rob Stone on Instagram, Young Rob Stone on Twitter, and Rob Stone on Spotify. I only do this not because I'm being paid to. I'm just a fan. And he created the epic Padres rap album, or rap anthem, I guess is the better way to put it. Rap anthem that absolutely slaps over the weekend. So that went viral in Padres Twitter and I wanted to repost it because it's absolutely amazing. So again, check out Rob Stone because that anthem is awesome. We have an amazing show planned for you today. I would have loved to have just talked for 50 minutes about this amazing Padres Dodgers series that I have been geeking out about for the past, well, 36 hours, I guess would be the safe way to put it. And the epic Friday night five-hour thriller or sun, or Saturday's pitcher's duel that ended up with one of the most epic finishes where the Padres were down 2 nothing, and Mookie Betts dove in right center field and stole a game-tying single from Tommy Pham, and it just hurt to watch it happen because it was all the pain of being a Padres fan in one heartbreaking moment. We had another one of those heartbreaking moments on Friday in how it ended, but Friday's game... It usually so the thing that happens in these moments is that it takes like three epic moments to become an instant classic and the Friday Padres Dodgers game first one of the season had like seven of those epic moments because for those who still don't know or not really a baseball fan the Dodgers were up 5 to 3 the Padres tied the game in the 8th inning Dodgers took the lead in the ninth. Padres tied it again in the ninth inning 10th inning, they had a bench-clearing brawl. Fernando Tatis struck out with the bases loaded. Padres had 3rd and 2nd, 1 out, struck out twice in the 11th, got to the 12th, and the Dodgers blew the doors open on the Padres. Like, seven epic things in an epic rivalry that, as I talked about on Friday, might be the one series that made baseball nationally relevant. And if those two games don't make baseball nationally relevant, at least I know it was going up against a... One of the Paul brothers was boxing, but I know it's going up against that. But if that don't make baseball awesome, then God forbid anything else will, or whatever deity you worship. Um... So, as I was saying, I'd love to talk about Padres and Dodgers for about 50 minutes, but we've got a more entertaining show, and sometimes you just have to find the balance between what I want to talk about and what might be interesting to people. So, Daily Sports Dosage, you guys know Cam, he's back again. We talk Kobe Bryant mentality, Kevin Durant, um, we talk about a little NBA in there, entrepreneurship, um, and really sports business as a whole. It's just kind of an interesting thing that we both connect over and so these conversations seem to be pretty entertaining to you guys so cam is back again uh but first well i guess the padres segment was first um someone mentioned in my dms about what is wrong with the yankees and the braves and i just want to talk about that real quick because the yankees the, the crazy stat going around i guess it's like a stat of the day or something is that the yankees Presently have the worst record in the American League. Uh, they are five and eight, worst record in the entire American League, which happens to be pretty, you know, mediocre to start the season. And the Atlanta Braves started the year, I believe, five and nine, maybe six and nine, but five and nine, I believe, the Atlanta Braves are right now. And so people ask, what's wrong with the Atlanta Braves and the Do and the Yankees? And the answer to that question is nothing nothing is wrong with the Yankees and the Braves what is happening right now is the Yankees and Braves are a product of small sample size ladies and gentlemen 15 baseball games does not tell you enough about how good or bad a team is 
and a 15-game sample size means even less when now we are playing a 162-game season, so players have to balance it out instead of the dead sprint like the 60-game season was last year, where after 15 games you had to make certain evaluations because the trade deadline was coming up, and everyone was trying their hardest because it was a 60-game sprint. So, or at least that's what typical baseball fans or typical sports fans would like to think around the cathedral of sports, that everyone's trying their hardest in a 60-game season, or at least each game meant more. Uh, but in the case of this year, 15-game sample size, not enough to learn anything about the teams that are going on. And that's not to say that the Yankees and Braves are perfect. The Yankees are certainly not perfect. They really don't have enough starting pitching. They subtract CeCe Sabathia, they subtract Masahiro Tanaka, they subtract James Paxton, they added Corey Kluber and Jamison Tayon, which is not enough to get their rotation through the season. Luis Severino is their de facto number two, I guess, behind Garrett Cole, and they're hoping for something from Domingo Herman as he returns from his suspension over, I believe, domestic violence. Don't quote me on that, but it was uh, something of that sort. Uh, so the Yankees simply don't have enough pitching, which is, you know, death taxes and the Yankees being short on starting pitching. It's basically just an inevitability at this point. And so the Yankees are not perfect. And Luke Voigt also has a torn meniscus. So the Yankees are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. The Braves are not perfect either. The Braves do really need some help out of the bullpen. And Marcelo Zuna, Ozzy Albies have been terrible to start the season, which, by the way confirms my idea that what I've been saying for basically three years, four years now, I guess five years, going back to when Marcelo Zuna played for the Miami Marlins, is that the most consistent thing about Marcelo Zuna is his inconsistency. And so inconsistency has plagued Marcelo Zuna. Ozzie Albies has had a terrible start to the season. Freddie Freeman is hitting league average. But again, a lot of these things are going to correct themselves because there's such a thing as regression to the mean People talk about that all the time when people have awesome starts is that they will regress to the mean. There's also progression to the mean and that Albies and Marcelo Zuna will get better because they're both playing really bad right now. And Kluber and Tayon are playing poorly, but they'll, re they'll progress to the mean. And Aaron Judge has had a terrible start to the season. He'll progress to the mean. So what this is a product of right now, and this is the thing that I'll be yelling probably like 20 years from now, if I've made a career out of this, I'll still be yelling about sample sizes and not overreacting. But again, I'm this person in the NBA all the time, is that don't overreact to short-term results. Even if it impacts your seeding, don't overreact to results. And in this case, not a large enough sample size for the Yankees or the Braves to hit the panic button on the Yankees having the worst record in the American League and the Braves having the third worst record in the National League, which by the way, if the Yankees have the worst record in the American League at like five and nine and Colorado's three and 13 in the National League, like it is brutal. And by the way, Colorado won opening day. So the Dodgers are off to the best start ever for a defending champion at 13 and two and the Rockies are two and 13 to start the season again. Dodgers will not win 140 games. They'll regress to the mean. Rockies will progress to their mean, which will probably be around 110 losses. But still, they won't be quite as bad as they are now. And the Yankees will get better. And the Braves will get better. The Marlins will come back down to earth. Kansas City will come back down to earth. This is all a product of small sample size. And especially in baseball, this is the equivalent of judging an NBA team after eight games, you can learn some things, but you need a larger sample size to confirm that they are such. And this is like judging an NFL team two quarters into the second game of the season. You can learn some things, but you can't learn everything about a team. And you need a larger sample size to confirm or dispute your opinions of the team early on in the season. So what's wrong with the Yankees and Braves? Nothing. Nothing is wrong with the Yankees or the Braves. They're going to be fine, but it doesn't mean that they're perfect. The Yankees are probably going to be the best team in the American League. The Braves are going to be the best, one of the best teams in the National League, probably win their division in the end. No need to hit any kind of crazy panic buttons. Same thing with the Boston Red Sox. 
started off 7-4, and four, they'll regress to the mean at some point. Because they started 0-3, getting swept by the Baltimore Orioles, who are clearly not any good, which is probably a better representation of what Boston is, because we can look at Boston on paper, look at the Yankees on paper, or the Rays, or the Blue Jays, or whoever, and recognize Boston not as good as their record suggests to start the season. It's all a product of small sample size, and teams will figure it out over the long season. So, no need to panic, person who submitted question to my DMs and brought up a great point I wanted to talk about on Wired Up, who I will not reveal their name just because I don't know if they want me to or not. So, with that being said, let's chat with Daily Sports Dosage on Wired Up episode 69. Nice. There's that, and I'm trying to partner with other, like, meme pages for, like, the NFL to see if we can get to, like, a 500,000 number. Because I feel like at that point, all of a sudden, you can start having different profitable endeavors. Yeah. Other than, like, people are already selling their own Instagram ads and making whatever thousands of dollars. Yeah, because people don't realize this either, like, that, like, some people just – so here's another thing that I'm doing that might be interesting that – I'm going to, so I'm also going to get to, I'm, I, so my, my goal is to get to like a million, a million total. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like, a, that's a big goal, but that's like the, like in my business, I literally have a business plan and everything for it. And it's, that's like my goal. And what I want to do eventually is, you know, partner with people like you guys or even other, you know, uh, you know, meme pages, whatever that, that, that get ads in their DMS and they're, you're like, Oh, I don't really want to, uh, do this ad because just like it's like a it's just some stupid whatever you could send it over mm-hmm. to me and then i would give you like 20 percent of like whatever you know whatever the ad is because i don't yeah it's like a referral yeah yeah that's more of an affiliate one but it's like that's like easy because you literally guaranteed money because here's the problem some people some of these ads are garbage and like you like, yeah. like you don't want to sell like glowing balls on your page or whatever but like as long as like as long as it's like within niche, we don't really care. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, we, we we obviously want to sell stuff. So like, don't get me wrong. Like, I want the ad to look good. I want the I want the consumer, I'm sorry, the uh, customer to make money off it. Cause that's like that's the whole point of it. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, like, I can't guarantee that. So that's why, like, as long as the ad's good, like, they're in a good position. Um. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. Like, that's one of, like, the 15 things I got going on right now. But um, there's a lot more, too, that, like, is kind of in the work, similar to you. But it's, like, basically what I do is I, like, get an idea and I'll put it, like, in my, like, notes on my phone or something. And yeah. then from there, I'll take that idea and, like, build it a little bit. And then I'll, like, I have, like, different – I have three different notes on my phone. One's, like, you know, like – it's almost like a it's almost like a content idea where you like come up with the idea. You're like, oh, this is gonna be a good video for YouTube. You're gonna move it to the next notes because it's like actually like a pretty good idea. And then like some of them never leave that notes because you just can't really make it to like an actual video putting into production. Then you put it and then you're like, oh, this this video about Damian Lillard's great. I'm gonna put it in like the actual production notes. So I have like literally like no lie, four hundred ideas. Then like it turns to like <laughs> then it turns like to like fifty. Then it turns to like five. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it, it's just it's just how you do it. But I can tell you, people don't understand the power of social media, and you don't have to work a dead end desk job anymore. You just don't have to. It's crazy. Yeah, and for me, I haven't gotten to the point in my life where I have to work a dead end desk job yeah. yet. I have to go to school, which feels kind of like a dead end je- desk job at this point. Yeah, but well, well so, so I'm pretty lucky because I already went to school and I and I did the dead end desk job, so I'm like I'm not doing that anymore. But see, the problem is that like I think the reason why I have this good experience is because I did the dead end de- desk job. I'm not telling you you have to do it, but I think that I learned a ton from that, like a ton business perspective like how to like not run my business. So yeah. I don't know. It's just a really interesting thing. Like I have a couple of employees that work for me now. I pay them, you know, I, I send them like the, it, it's, it's really cool to have your own business. 
Um, so, so, yeah, uh, so uh, yeah, it's cool to have your own business. It really is. It's just an interesting – it's really a mindset. And, I mean, being an entrepreneur is not an easy thing. It's really not. I mean, people think that, like, waking up every day <laughs> doing what you do is easy. Bro, like, it's pretty lonely sometimes because you got to go through it by yourself and you have to, like, figure it out. So, what it is. It is what it is. And we've talked about that before when we did our episode of how to build a successful Instagram page. Like, that idea of just having to do the work, it's just a lifestyle at a certain point. People kind of enjoy it at that point. And now, as I look at a different venture of starting a media company and kind of being an entrepreneur, I'm just like, whew. This is like a whole nother element of learning the practice of what take what I've already learned yeah. and then apply it to this new practice that I'm looking the best, at. The best advice I can give you is if you can learn, if you can spend like, so anytime I learn something new, this is how I do it. I have, I leave. So I literally have a calendar. Like, dude, I am like, you want to talk about like living by my calendar. I know exactly what my times are. Like, like no, no joke. Like when, when you and I first met, I didn't do a calendar. So, you would reach out to me and be like, hey, are you available? I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot or whatever. I'll tell you this. Yeah. There will never be a day I'll forget about a podcast because I live by the calendar. So, <laughs> so what's good about that is living by the calendar, you're able to – you know what's going to happen throughout the day. So it's called um, – Gary Vee told me – said this a long time ago, and I, 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 I believe in it. It's called the 90-10 rule. So if you have out of 100% of your time, you got to pick out of your 100% of your time what's most important. And then you make that the 90% most important thing. And then the 10% would be everything else. So I'll give you an example. Say that like TikTok is going really good for me. I will make that the, the, the 90% and I will be pushing TikTok. And then every, and I'm just going to go almost in like, you know, because I already know how to do it. I'm going in like almost, uh, what's it called? Uh, um, pilot mode or, uh, or, or I can't think of the word. Just, just, uh, you know, coasting basically in the other pages that once it starts dying down you start evening it off then about one hour a day at eight o'clock my time eight o'clock to nine o'clock i'll i do research so whatever i want to learn on like whatever practice i'm doing i spend one hour a day every single day researching whatever that is whether it's like anything so you learn a ton, bro. You don't even realize how much an hour does for you. That's how I learned the algorithm on Instagram. Because people try to be like, okay, I'm going to spend six hours today and do it. No, it's not sustainable. You need to set yourself yeah. up for success. And an hour a day is very doable. Very doable. And, and, then, and then if you're not even able to do an hour, it's still better than nothing. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's really interesting, bro. You can learn a lot. And, and just watching like four or five YouTube videos – it's youtube youtube's an amazing thing i can tell you that you can learn a lot over there it's crazy and that you touched on two points that were part of when i started the podcast which is just if you spend an hour a day think about how far along you'll come in a year and now we're approaching two years and i'm like i've done it pretty much an hour a day for close to two years i've gotten like a thousand hours of practice and i sound semi-professional oh no you definitely when i do you definitely do but here's the thing bro you know what's interesting? People don't realize this, that if you do an hour a day every single week, it's seven, it's seven, seven hours per week. Then you, then you turn that into a month. Mm-hmm. You turn that into six months. Turn that into a year. Most people don't know what actual hard work looks like. So people don't actually log that many hours. So when you're logging that many hours, you become a professional overnight. And you don't even realize it's just happening. It's amazing, bro. Because yeah. like, I saw this quote about Kobe like a long time ago, and I, I swear by how Kobe existed because his his method to his madness was so clear to him, but it was so confusing for other people that like he would be like, okay, you know. So I heard a story recently about how the reason why Julius Randle is doing so good in the NBA this year is because he like lives by Kobe's methods, where you know, after every game, he'll get like an hour workout in and then whatever. Basically, whatever, if you need to get that hour extra a day in, if you're able to do that, you're getting an hour extra on everybody else. And then if you look at it that way, if it's if you keep going and going, people don't realize the days where you don't want to do it are the days that you gain the most, the most out of it. 
So when you push through the days you don't want to do it, you're going to become like a superstar overnight. Like, like I, I just love that. Like, if you just keep working, you're going to get there. I mean, bro, I've only been doing this for almost th- only three years now. It's not even three. It's going to be three in May. So, like, to think that, dude, I have, like, a network of 400,000 followers or 350. So, it's just during that time. And that's not even including my other networks. So, it's like, mm-hmm. you just got to think big. And, like, don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. Because, trust me, you can. It's all about practice. It just is. Like, you, you proved it. If you just keep doing it every day, no matter how many listens, listeners you have, no matter how many people are watching, you're just going to keep going. Dude, I used to go on Instagram lives with zero people on it and just practice. Yeah. <laughs> we're still kind of in that place because we're at like seven. We can get seven people to stay in an Instagram live. But, 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 but dude, I have almost 100,000 followers and I, can, I, I have like 20 people in there. Like people don't mm-hmm. understand – 100,000 followers is a lot. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's amazing. It's like, it's a great, I'm almost there. Like, it's a great, uh, you know, um, achievement. But it's yeah. not as much as people like, understand. Like, do you know how many people yeah. there are in this world? Like, people can't understand. Like, there's like, there's like 40,000 in my town. <laughs> there's, <laughs> and, then, there and then there's like 400 of those towns just in Massachusetts. And then there's, and then in Massachusetts, there, in Massachusetts, there's like, probably 20 or 30 Massachusetts make up California or even more. Uh-huh. So it's like, it's just, you got to think big, bro. Just keep going. Just keep going. That's like, that's the best. That's the best advice I can give to anyone. Just keep grinding. My favorite part about that is that 1.5% of the entire population is on Twitter. And when you think about it that way, you're only reaching 1.5% of people, which I find hilarious. It's my also book. the code. The Kobe thing is interesting because I'm so fascinated with the psychology of Kobe. Oh. I'm just a psychology nerd in general. No, I am but... too, bro. I am too. Like, like, so I, I've been seeing a therapist since like since before COVID, like just for personal reasons. And it's the best thing mm-hmm. I ever did because I, he kind of taught me psychology, like what that is, just like just to work through things. And bro, I bring up Kobe almost every meeting because he's so fascinated by him too. Because Kobe like was a psycho, and I love him. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's, there, it's an amazing thing. If you're really interested in like the warts and all of Kobe, I, you should read. Uh, it's a book called The Three Ring Circus. It's by Jeff Perlman. If you're really interested in like Kobe psychology, it's a really great book because it talks about the warts and all of being Kobe Bryant, where he was 18 in and being 18 in the NBA is already hard enough because he was basically straight out of high school, and he was uncomfortable in his own skin for the first like 10 years of his career, which obviously culminates in the Eagle Colorado rape trial, but he was just totally uncomfortable in his own skin because he's a a guy, he's a black kid, son of an NBA player who grew up in Italy for 12 years and then went to private high school. So he's, he was kind of uncomfortable in his own skin, but also just subscribed to the Michael Jordan theory of just work, work, work again, and just cold-blooded assassin mentality. Like, there's one great story in there where Kobe wouldn't interact with any of his teammates, but John Sally was, like, kind of the closest thing Kobe had to, like, a, a, like an uncle on the team. Like a friend or something, and yeah. So, yeah, like just an older figure yeah. who Kobe would talk to. Because he would like sit alone on the bus. He would like have books on tape in. Like that would be his thing. And it was just, he. they took him out one night and Kobe like reluctantly agreed to go. And they were at the club. And then at 1030, he's like, hey, Sal, I got to go. I got to work out at 5 a.m. tomorrow. And it was the most Kobe Bryant moment for him. Like, oh, this guy is serious about basketball to a T and then I heard that I'm like wait a minute that's me I'm the guy who goes to sleep at 10 o'clock to wake up at five well, every day I was so, like, so oh, I'm, I'm really I'm really happy that you brought it up like that because people think that you could you, there's only method to madness for basketball if you could take that that learning whatever the hell you're passionate about you can do it that same thing bro I go to bed at 1 a.m and I wake up at 7 a.m every single day like, it's like, and, mm-hmm. and, and dude, I, and you know what, you know, what's amazing. I roll out of bed. Like, I don't want to get out of bed every morning. I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> do this. And I get up and then I'm like, let's, let's do this. I don't know, bro. Uh-huh. It's, it's so I was also reading another Kobe Bryant story where that there were several, there's several NBA players that 
they, they talk about their first Kobe Bryant moment when you like, it's almost like a Tom Brady thing. It's almost like a Michael Jordan thing where you just like, that was the first time you saw greatness and you were like, holy crap, this person is just like amazing in whatever they do or like, you know, whatever it is. And one guy was talking about how Kobe, I don't remember exactly who it was. It was some, some NBA mm-hmm. player. And he was saying how Kobe woke up at 5 a.m. that morning, whatever, play, uh, practiced from 5 to like 7, right? Goes to like a team meeting at 8. Then there was a game at like 4. It was an earlier game that day. He plays the game. And then he goes and play. And then the 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 arena sh- had to like close because that whatever arena it was um, had a hockey game that day. So he couldn't practice there anymore so then he goes to like a local school like a local like like high school that he called himself it wasn't even like somebody like on his team he's like hey do you mind if i use it he goes there and he practices until 1 a.m and then the next day he woke up at 4 30 to practice again to have that type of mentality is just like to be honest it's overkill to me but that's why great people become great because they just have that relentless pursuit for greatness. It's ridiculous. It really is. I literally just heard that today. I think it was Dominique Foxworth was talking about it. That people don't realize, because have you seen a story with Trevor Lawrence that came out where he, he had a magazine article leading up to the draft. He's basically like, nobody's ever doubted me. Yeah. And I don't have a chip on, it's not my... He, he's like, I don't have a chip on my shoulder or something, right? Something like that. Yeah, he's like, I don't have a chip on my shoulder, and winning a Super Bowl is not the all-consuming thing. Like, I have a more well-rounded perspective at this point. He's like, I, I don't, I'm not consumed by winning a championship the way other people are. And to be fair, most athletes are. They're just not afraid to admit it because is that a of bad thing? No, I, I, I'm interested. In, interested in your thought. Do you think that's a bad thing, or, or what do you think about that? No, I think I think the healthiest people are well-rounded but, people. I think that the people who are singularly focused are usually their best versions of themselves, but it's not the healthiest way. No, 100%. It's not the healthiest way, but I I would argue that Michael Jordan and Tom Brady and Kobe weren't healthy people. They were absolutely obsessed with what they were doing. So, and I'm not trying to say you can't be great that way, but it's pretty clear that if you want to be the greatest of all time, you have to be obsessed with the win. Dude, Tom Brady, like, so... I know Tom Brady differently than a lot of people just because of, like, you know, like, being from New England. He has mm-hmm. this way about him where he would literally just come to work every single day and obsess over the fine details, and he's been doing it for 20 years the same way. What type of freak just does that? It's just – Well, it's someone who does it – I because I did you watch that Facebook documentary with Tom, Tom Brady in it? Time, because right? basically time. Yeah. the whole thing was – yeah, the whole thing was basically just, oh, this dude's just totally obsessive about football. Yeah. He's not very interesting outside of it because he is fine-tuned to be this machine. And you're a golf guy, too, so you should absolutely watch the documentary. Yeah. Oh, Tiger's the same it's way. It's the same idea of your crap. Like, you, there's only, like, 20 or 30 athletes that, like, come up in my mind that way that are, like, that type of machine. Like, some people are just, like, you know, like Shaquille O'Neal, for example, he's not that way. He's just like an absolute freak of nature, talent-wise, and he was able to do several things. Yeah, James Harden, James Harden, James Kevin Durant, like they—they—they they, they are so talented that they don't really need to do that. But imagine if they had the Kobe mentality; they'd be the greatest of all time. It's actually amazing psych- psychology in the whole thing, where you're able to like dissect it. But I mean, because you look at Tom Brady, he's not the most talented guy ever. He's just not. But you know, like, imagine if Aaron Rodgers yeah. had that relentless thing about Tom Brady. Like, do you think, like, I just, I don't know, man. It's, it's just. Aaron Rodgers is interesting because Aaron Rodgers is so naturally gifted and puts in the work that Aaron Rodgers becomes the greatest quarterback to ever pick up the football. And so it's interesting where things don't break Aaron Rodgers' way in the championships. And championships are a dumb no, way definitely. to evaluate success. Definitely. It's part of the equation, but. Because of that, people don't view the greatness of Aaron Rodgers or appreciate the greatness of Aaron Rodgers in that way that we do with Tom Brady because he's at 44 and still meticulous about the craft. Aaron Rodgers is a more well-rounded example. Um, 
I'm literally in the Jeff Perlman book. There's a perfect example of it because they talked about it with Kobe. And then Jeff Perlman said that he ran into Charles Barkley at an airport. And basically Charles Barkley was talking to him about his books and things like that. And he's like, look, I get paid to talk about the NBA and I'm about to take a 14 day vacation just where he's going to play golf for two straight weeks. And so it's probably much more fun to be Charles Barkley than be Michael Jordan, but it's that it's, and this is the thing I do in evaluation all the time is like, what is the max effort I can put in to get the maximum reward? When does the, the work I'm putting in not end up being worth the reward that I'm getting out of it? Oh, my God. Which is – You and I could do a two-hour podcast on that statement right there. Bro, it's, it is – dude, can I give you an example? It literally just – so absolutely. I've been working for three straight years. Or, or two, I think it was. I think it was two years at this point, or maybe a, a year and a half. Something. It was a significant period of time. Haven't missed a posting day in two years. Didn't get paid one dime. Mm-hmm. And I was in my mind was vis- envisioning the 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 feeling I'm gonna get when I get that 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 like pinnacle of that milestone of you know, whatever that is, whatever the, the ads are, that deal. I get the deal with bet us, bro. It didn't feel as good as the grind. It was the weirdest sensation I've ever had. I literally had to like document it and talk to my therapist. Bugs. I'm like, how does that make sense? I, I was looking for this moment. I thought it was going to be amazing. It was great. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as good as I thought. It's almost like when you think when you're going to get to hundred thousand followers, 10,000 followers, 20, you think it's going to be way better than what it is. Then you get there, you're like, wait, it's not as good. It's such a deflating feeling, to be honest. And it's so interesting. The one person we're more fascinated in than Kobe Bryant in these podcasts, and I think if 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 I had a dollar for every time we said Kevin Durant, I would be able to start my media company. But why do you think Kevin Durant's life looks like it's starting to spiral out of control? Is that he got to the mountaintop, and the mountaintop yeah. wasn't as cool as he thought it was? And it's we talked about Kobe versus Charles Barkley or MJ versus Charles Barkley. You could put it this way: Who would you rather be, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry? Because Steph Curry. In 2016, he made more money at Under Armour, like adjusted for inflation, made more money for Under Armour than Michael Jordan made in 1988 for Nike. Steph Curry was about to establish a new brand, and he basically gave it up to have a life. Steph Curry doesn't do a ton of public appearances. Sure, he's got the Curry but, brand at Under Armour, but, but Curry but brand doesn't it feel totally like it's a as fun though? to like PGA Tour. He goes to PGA Tour exactly. event when he wants to go. I don't know. He's, he's actually a good golfer, but like. Steph Curry chose to have a family and have a but life. But isn't it interesting, though? He's Jordan, still on the pinnacle the of existence and still makes $40 million a year. What, like, what, what, is, what is too much money? Like, you don't, you don't need. What's, what's the difference between 40 and $60 million, to be honest? It's a lot. Well, the money yeah, doesn't matter, exactly. but it's what the money represents. Exactly. The money represents success, and it's the power that ends Crazy up driving people to be, yeah. be Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or Tiger Woods or the robots that we assume are these like great mercenaries of sport that we all worship because they don't say anything and just look like robots designed to put on this earth to be great at whatever their sport is or whatever their activity is. It's a tough question because Kevin Durant's built in the same way and it's why it looks like Kevin Durant's life is kind of spiraling a little bit his he got to the top I would, and he never got the recognition or the I accolation would much rather be fun. Steph Curry like dude that was a great great example because Steph Curry is also on the level of Kevin Durant with like greatness I mean not not exactly the same but he changed the yeah I mean, we can we can parse hairs, but yeah, Kevin Durant's seven feet tall and an amazing shooter or amazing scorer. Kevin Steph Curry's six foot. No, I, yeah, like yeah. in, 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 in their respective it, yeah. portions of their game, Steph Curry changed the damn sport. Like, like you know what I mean? Like he is literally like one of the main responsible people to admit this. Like the step, you know, you know how like 
when we're younger, it was like, you know, Kobe. Now it's like everyone wants to be Steph Curry. But the funniest thing about it is I think that's a really interesting point that you just said was that I would rather be Steph Curry 10 times out of 10 because it looks like he actually enjoys himself. I, I, you don't see like, and he doesn't have that type of like, I mean, he has, he has media scrutiny for sure, but he's not like Kevin Durant, man. Kevin Durant's under a microscope. Like I've never seen before. Legitimately. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Durant, to be honest, wanted a lot of that because Kevin Durant wanted to be viewed as the greatest basketball player in the world, which he was, but never got the accolation for it. And this is the thing that ended up spiraling him out of control. And then you combine that with, oh, I've just torn my Achilles and I can't yeah. play basketball for 12 it, it, months. It, it, and that is really the spiraling. Fact, like, people person. also don't realize it's either like tearing your Achilles or even having like a significant injury in the playoffs sucks because you can't win, you, you know, you, you can't play that year. You literally lose like almost two full seasons. Because it takes 12 months to come back or even at least nine mm-hmm. months. And that's not even healthy like that, man. Kevin Durant's injury was so bad. And like, you know, Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson in a similar way. Um, oh, man, I just I feel so bad. Yeah. Clay Thompson's got to be going through the same thing because it's like this thing that I have built up as my livelihood, this thing that's going to get me into the Hall of Fame and determine every measure of success that I've had. If that defines me as a person and now it's been taken away, like where does that leave yeah. you as a person? And this is the difficult thing. I talked about this on the radio show where it's just, do you do athletes and I guess us are in a similar position, but overwhelmingly athletes, when you've been this in this sport from like age seven to age 32, I was talking about this with LaMarcus Aldridge is like post-career 100%. depression is a real 100%. thing because basketball is your identity you identify yourself as a basketball player what you do becomes who you are and when what you do is taken away yeah and and, and that's like one of the top one percenters like you know lebron or whatever because lebron's just going to have a whole nother career when he retires but but to but to your point like if you're like a fringe guy where you're like you're a professional athlete but you're not like a superstar and there's not as many like avenues for you to leave the game like Man, you talk about depression that it must be a really sad place to be because like you as a human being, you know, like, like everyone wants to be like you when you're playing. And then when you retire, just like everybody else, it's it's probably a hard, you know, mental place to be. Like, imagine being like Isaiah Thomas, he Celtics, he's going to get paid, then he gets injured. And then now he like, can't even stay on a team. It's just like a sad place to be. It really is. Or this is the reason this is all fresh on my mind is because the book I read last week was a uh, Jay Williams. Oh my god! Book. Think about his story. Is you go from being twenty-one, two-time College Player of the Year, one year in the NBA, and then you almost die and your career's over. He, Never yeah, he, the he, yeah, again. and then like, oh my god, then like, like you know Grant Hill. I mean, not exactly the same, but he was. You know, he he could have been a lot better. It's just mm-hmm. it, people don't realize that you got to live in the moment. I can't tell you how important that is. I appreciate, I'm trying to learn that as the days go on, appreciating that what you have in the moment, don't always be trying. So you don't, you don't want to lose that sensation of being excited to move forward and, you know, uh, you know, like, like strive for great things, but you also need to realize that like those things that you're putting in your head are only like your own self-esteem putting it towards you. So like you can't compare yourself to other people. Like it's just, it's just it, it's it's a really interesting conversation it really is yeah well this is the fun thing that i always do with that is with you know living in the moment kind of thing is when people ask like what was your favorite moment from like x y and z sport i'm like well my favorite moment yeah. is going to be the next moment <laughs> the next one's going to be better than the last one because if you reminisce on the past, what does that serve you for enjoying Definitely. the present and then enjoying the future? Because the future is going to be better be. than the past. At least for us, we're in our 20s, so it's at least easier yeah. to have that perspective. But the future should well, always be Brady better says, than the past. Like, oh, what's your favorite ring? He's like, the next one. Which I which I also think is pretty funny, too. But it's like, that's a little bit different to what you're saying. But I, I, I hear, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's the same idea. That's how you keep motivating yourself because the next one's always going to be better than the last one. 
there's like it's impossible if you're Tom Brady to not reminisce on the past, but you can frame your mind where that doesn't affect your ability in the present. It's like that amazing. This is another amazing thing that I think Reddit figured out is that Tom Brady actually plays worse when he plays in primetime games because Tom Brady always goes to sleep at 10 o'clock. So when the games start at 830, he plays worse when it's in primetime games. And it's that same idea of changing your rhythm. And when you're that centrally focused on it, it's yeah. about the next preparation or whatever it, it is might be. It's a really fascinating Red, Reddit's idea. an interesting place, too. They have a lot of different types of uh... – uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't, I've never really like used Reddit, like for like a personal outside of just like, you know, like, you know, looking up things, but Reddit's like a deep, deep place to, to research. It's really interesting. Yeah. I find it super fascinating when they have like different research things, but yeah, I'm not a Reddit person. I'm not a TikTok person. I don't really like social media all that much. I just happen to be a social media influencer yeah. using yeah, like, its power to start a media. I, I can't lie. I, I love social media, to be honest. It's just, it, it's just like, it's just who I am at this point. But I, I can definitely understand uh, why people don't like it. You know, like, it, it is kind of a cesspool, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's simultaneously the best and worst things, which can be frustrating when I've been doing it for, like, realistically three years we're going on three years of like original content like blowing up but really five years of doing content like it's it's a big thing and to have whatever follower count you're at is like huh in the grand scheme of things it's not no, all no, that it's, crazy it's, or important it's or whatever never as be, important so. as what you expect it to be like i always thought like like we've talked about this before but like ten thousand followers i thought you were like literally famous i know we've talked about this several times but I, it's just such a funny concept of how people's social people's minds towards social media like you know people like like now people are like oh you know so i no one calls me cam but it's fine like it's people call me dsd and they'll be like so do how many people yeah. come to you on the street for dsd and i'm like i mean it's happened a couple times but you make it sound like i'm like tom brady like you guys gotta like the perception of social media is just really interesting like Inst- instagram influencers to a certain extent is kind of i don't know it's kind of lame. Well, the interesting part about that is why if you have like a hundred thousand followers, that's like the equivalent yeah. of like the seventh guy on the bench at Duke. <laughs> like <laughs> sometimes when you're just an average looking Joe, a hundred thousand social media followers is the equivalent of getting you like T list celebrity. So oh, maybe yeah. no, no. I mean, I mean, it's cool. Like I'm not going to tell you it's not. Yeah. You know I mean, it's, but it's, but you know, and people don't realize it's either like yeah. I don't show my face very much on my page. Like I don't know, people just—I mean, I do sometimes, but not a, a lot. Yeah, and then I, TikTok I then I Snapchat too, TikTok where it's like a really, really huge over there. I got like 80, 85,000 over there. So that's that. that. Jesus yeah, Christ! I'll say I didn't even TikTok know someone could have I'm sorry, um, Snapchat, Snapchat is a beautiful place. This is one guy. So I, I, I mean, I'm not, not, not trying to be cocky by it. I'm just being honest. I'm probably like, I would say like top 10 biggest sports personalities on tick, on Snapchat, probably something like that. Right around there. There's one guy, maybe even a little bit less, maybe top 20. There's one guy mm-hmm. on there. His name's snap, uh, uh, Jack settlement, snapback sports. He's got a million over there. And bro, Having a million on a Snapchat is just is like a different beast. I'm telling you, bro. It's it's crazy. Like eighty thousand there is like three four hundred thousand on Instagram. It's unbelievable. It's like the 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 amount of engagement I get, bro, is ridiculous. It's like I look at my phone and I'll get like four or five hundred replies a day. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't, That's I can't just even like stupid. <laughs> dude, one, dude, one time, actually, actually, it was when Kobe died. My page, I got one, vi- one video to get like six hundred thousand views, and I was like, because it went viral on TikTok, which Snapchat, which I didn't even know you could even go viral on Snapchat, but it did, and it went crazy. I was at the top of the Explore page. You know how you can? I don't know if you ever use Snapchat, but there's like a a page where 
Yeah, I, I, I relatively know it. I, I've never had yeah. the app, but obviously, I yeah, went to yeah. High so there's like a page where like Snapchat, you can like so kind of know how you it know works. it's basically where all the like really famous people are. I was right next to like ESPN, you know, like Bleacher Report, yeah. and it was the crazy thing. Like people were even DMing me on Instagram, being like, "Bro, is this your page?" And I was like, "I don't think it gets any better than this." That's like at that time was like my was was my pinnacle. <laughs> That was, that was oh, that your, was my moment. I mean, no question. That was, that was like at that time. Like, well, I mean, I've had some pretty cool moments too. Like on on Snapchat. On I guess this this podcast is about about how cool Cam is. I guess I'm just kidding. But yeah, I guess yeah. How fucking people... boss we are. That's what the title of the podcast. Yeah, is. yeah. Cam your your listeners probably absolutely resent me. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah no oh I, I, God, I met some videos funny, on, on so one time <laughs> I talked that I was like so it was you know that picture of uh in the my when the Miami Heat played the the Lakers in the finals that like the like the like that team yeah 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 it was re, it was, it was last Jimmy year right? or, yeah last year and yeah, no, yeah. The, you know that picture like, game where else. like their starting lineup was like Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, uh, Jay Crowder, and it was just like the worst picture ever. I want, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. It wasn't was like it, because Bam like was hurt, Dragic was hurt. So I I posted that picture and went was and went on the video being like, we're gonna look at this photo in five years and be like, how did this team make it to the finals? And I said something in there where I was like this team is not that good, but I wasn't saying the team I was saying that picture and it got like completely misconstrued in TikTok. It got like yeah. several million views and, and everyone was like, this guy knows nothing about sports. He's an <laughs> idiot. And it, it went so viral that it made it over on Instagram that people were literally making fun of me. They were like, this guy knows nothing about sports. I was like, it's not what I meant, but it was so funny because that's what social media is. It's literally what – it's the eyes of the beholder. That's not what I meant to say, but people took it as me being an idiot. Dude, I got, like, several million views. It got, like, like 400,000 likes. Like, it was just, like – it was ridiculous. And it was the worst video I've ever made. So that's why – you have discovered. You have discovered uh, how let me Skip tell Bayless you. continues to let make these billions dollars the, a year. And I that did it by mistake. Right there. Skip Bayless isn't on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's a wrestling character. Him and Colin Cowherd are the same thing. How do we get retweeted by Tom Brady with a funny comment below it about yeah. Baker Mayfield? And how do you know I've never seen aliens? That Listen, is what man, you're striving I, I, for because it helps pay the damn bills it, in a yeah, TV yeah. show that's that three time. hours a day every during day. that time. I mean, bro, it's it's amazing how social media can change your life in one day. I mean, bro, I had a all right look, last second, and we can talk whatever you want to talk about. I've been talking forever, but uh yeah. So 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 I did a video on no TikTok that went crazy so too. So this was this is the craziest <laughs> thing that's ever happened to me. I posted a video of it was during um so it was during COVID. And there was no sports on. And it was that it was that video. It was the um oh what's it called? Sorry. Uh the Michael Jordan documentary. What's it called? Uh, yeah, Last Dance. And it came out the with last that dance, video yeah. of it was like Jordan like in practice and somebody on the last dance was like, Man, this guy just had this mentality, you know, he's just something about him was like really scary. I, I can't remember exactly who said it, but it was like it was like in the documentary. I posted it. So I was just like, oh, you know, I was like, I, and it was something about, I think I said something like Mamba mentality, but Jordan style, something like that. And it got, dude, it got like 2 million views in like, <laughs> in like, in, in like three hours. I look, I look at my, my I look at my TikTok, I gained 20,000 <laughs> followers in one day. And yeah. Well, because TikTok's weird like that. Like TikTok yeah. is so niche. At yeah, this point yeah, still, dude, it was unbelievable. And then, and then I'm there. like, holy crap! I gotta move to LA. I want to be famous, bro. That page sucks now. It's just, it's how TikTok works, bro. I gained twenty thousand in one day, <laughs> and I have no lie. 
have probably gained 5,000 in six months. It's, it's just how it works. And like, it, dude, it's hard to be yep. a social media person because, like, like I said, the ups and downs are so drastic. It's why I'm glad that I got in so early on the game so that now I'm, what, like yeah. the 12th largest NFL Instagram page. But I'm glad that I just got in on the ground floor. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Like, there's no point you can try on Instagram anymore. It's, it's just it's, – it's too crowded now. Like, like I, 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 dude, I even got too – I even started too late. I, I, I did it like – I so it was, I started right when the uh, follow on follow was still a thing. And – I would follow a bunch of people, unfollow a bunch of people. And like, honestly, kind yeah. of a scummy way to do it, but I didn't know how to do it any other way. And then one day I posted a video of Peyton Manning on SNL and it got like a million views when Instagram, like you could, you could trend like that. Then like after that, I didn't even need to do it anymore. And like, people always ask me like, how do you grow on Instagram? I'm like, bro, I don't even think you can anymore. It's hard to start from zero to a hundred. It, it just, Getting the zero to ten k is probably the hardest I've ever ever. I I don't even know how you even do it now. I really don't. Yeah, I I told you at the beginning my dream was just can I get to ten k one day because I was at three thousand at our two year anniversary and now we're coming up on our five year anniversary and I'm at forty eight k pretty much. So and able to start sure, a media company like yeah, with enough sure in the bank you. to be able to enough credibility. I, I remember specifically when I first company. met you. It was during it was during the Titans and the Patriots, and the Titans beat the Patriots, and you were running outside. And I was like, "Oh, is this dude like a like a Titans fan?" And, 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 yeah, and, and yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like "Wow, this shit, dude like, must right. be so happy he's a Titans fan." And then you were like, "No, I just said that. Like, I predicted that they were going to win or whatever in the beginning of the year or." or Yeah. Not only that, but I also hate the Patriots, and it was so perfect that they. I love the Patriots now because now they're the anarchists. But I hate, I hated the Patriots at the time because they were. Yeah. The well, I mean, I mean, how do you? I would dude, how do you? Like, honestly, if you're not a Patriots so fan, I don't, even, I don't even blame you why you would hate the Patriots. It's like it's the same thing with any other good team. You don't like the good teams, just the way it works. Yeah, of course. That's kind of the funny part about all of this is fandoms are very strange. I have less fandoms now, except uh, my my 20,000 viral posts are just riding on Patrick Mahomes and saying that he's already the greatest thing that's ever existed oh, in yeah, sport. That's my way. Of, that's my Dick Wright, Skip Bayless side of being a wrestling character. But yeah, sorry for people who don't get the joke on me loving Patrick Mahomes to the ends of the earth. But it is that's the that's the coattail I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna ride this generation's two great stars, which are Patrick Mahomes, Giannis, and hopefully yeah. I mean I mean Tease, that, because he plays yeah. for my podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I'm a Giannis <laughs> guy too. People need to like understand how good he is, but we can do that on another day. Yeah. 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 I think we've done it multiple times before. We've done the Giannis conversation, and now that's the only oh, team that's going to beat Brooklyn. It's going to be just an epic seven-game series Because we know the Celtics have no chance. We, I also know the Sixers don't have a chance either. I'm sorry. I don't think the Sixers can beat the Bucks or the or the uh, Nets. It's going to be Nets versus Bucks, and oh my God, I need to I need to see that. I need, I, I would pay money to see that right now. It's going to be so awesome. It's going to be so awesome. I talked about this before is that we kind of know it now. We know who the five good teams are. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Nets, the Bucks, and the Sixers. And then in the West, it's like four teams fighting for the other two spots in the second round. And in the East, it's the Heat and the Celtics fighting for one spot. But if like the Hawks yeah. make it to the second round, like that's their championship. If like the Hawks or the Knicks or the Hornets make it to the second round, like that's their yeah, championship like I'll, season. like I'll tell you, the Celtics made it to the Eastern Stone Conference Finals. But it's basically, it's not going to happen. But say they did that, that, that like, but, but say they did that, that's that's as good no, as winning it's just a championship. Not There's no chance. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, 100%. because you guys are a second round exit tier right now, and the. The Heat and the Celtics are the only teams in that second-tier exit where they expect to make the yeah. second round, and that would be a successful season because that's what you expect. But 
getting bounced in the first round just by a bad luck of the draw, uh, like Miami. I, I, I hope the Celtics Sixers do play the Sixers at some point, though, like, which, which would be amazing. I hate the Sixers. Boston fan, I hate the Sixers, like, in, to my soul. I really do. And the answer is just get the sixth seed. You can avoid the first round play in wild card where you have to play Zach Levine in two meaningless games that you will dominate, or you can just get the sixth seed, well, skip well, the play and play, play, play the, the Sixers in possible. the six three matchup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, but this is the thing though. Brooklyn's gonna get the one seed probably, and so that leaves uh, – that means you – I think it's pro- still probably – because most of these things work themselves out. Which it's still probably going to be you guys against the Heat in the 5-4 game. Like, that, even as that would also then, be a really good series. Yeah, like that would be a good series. Both teams expected to be in the second round, and you just have to win to get there. Well, it would be more fun yeah, than watching the Heat play the Knicks. Like, that's just kind of boring. <laughs> The so, Heat Celtics are the, definitely the two second-round exits. Everyone else is like, we kind of just want to get a seven-game series where we can get smacked by the Bucks or the Nets. Um, but if they make it to the second round, it's just the luck of the draw thing. Like in the Western Conference, where four teams are fighting for two spots, assuming the Lakers and Clippers won't get bounced in the first round by any team. Um, you're just kind of hoping to get one of those two spots if you're Utah, Man. Denver, Phoenix, or Portland. You're just like hoping you can get to the second round, but bad luck might hurt him. The uh, uh, Jamal Murray getting hurt is just terrible. It him. hurts so bad. Yeah. Yeah. They they need it. They need I know, their like, They had Jamal now, Murray. Like, man, I, I gotta tell you, twenty like, points a game. They, I, I wouldn't <laughs> say that they're gonna beat anyone, but they could. They could contend. They have a good team. That's a good team, especially with. Uh, Aaron Gordon too, like that's a good team. Yeah, Aaron Gordon was a trade made in heaven that I predicted two years ago. I said, and then again this off season, Nuggets. Do you have any, do you, do you have anything like anything in documents? I mean, that's made in heaven, like in running in circles, salary cap. I could I could find it. I could find it somewhere in my archives of stories because I've made that fake trade at least two I'm just saying times, that, but yeah, it's somewhere in there. I don't, there. I don't care that much to go find it, but it was uh, in 2019 because it was the only trade that was possible. This is when Gordon had like just signed the contract and it was clear that they were kind of wearing their welcome, but the trade was like Dozier and Gary Harris and a second round pick for Aaron Gordon. And they gave up RJ Hampton and a 25 first rounder with Gary Harris, but kind of the same idea. But anyway, yeah. the, the point with the Nuggets is like Jokic is the MVP this year. Two years ago, they were one game away from the conference finals. They lost in seven to Portland. Last and, year they made the conference finals, and now Jokic is the best version of himself. So and theoretically, they, and they, they got better take by the getting Aaron Gordon. From getting so like the, the fact that they finals. lost Jamal Murray hurts so like that. I'm telling you, bro, that team you don't you don't want to play mm-hmm. that team in the playoffs. I'm telling you, you just like. Well, this is the other tough break. Is that right now? It looks like because we kind of know it would be strange if they fell five games in the last month and got the seven seed, and it would be four games to get the six seed. But they're going to be either the four or the which five, is, which at this point means they yeah, play but, the Lakers. But like I'm not, but, but that's so a tough break. But it's also a tough break. break for the Lakers. Like the Lakers don't want to play them in the first round. Whether whether the Lakers win or not, that's a tough first first round. You know, you want to play some some bum that you could smoke in the first get actually pretty good team. Yeah. That's kind of the tough break. The Lakers are getting by not having anyone play in the regular season. Which, I know. Yeah. People fair, don't LeBron went seven people games with Victor Oladipo back awesome. in 2018. Like it's possible. Oh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite playoff series ever. That series was my favorite playoff series of all time. It wasn't 2016 finals. Wasn't oh, the yeah. Rockets Warriors. Well, Rockets Warriors 2018 might pass it, but that 2018 Pacers Cavs was my favorite. I, series I ever really, I, I, if I would have bet at that time, I would have bet that my, he was going to lose. I really, I, I felt. 
Oh, I did too. They were up two one, and Bogdanovich had just and then dude, like and then Victor Oladipo at that time looked like a legit like, oh superstar. God, You're like, holy this. crap! And then, man, injuries are the worst. Oh, Victor Oladipo. Yeah, that that's a huge rip for Victor Oladipo for sure. That. Yeah, yeah, I guess he's, 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 he's going to have to accept it there, now. or he's going to have to go somewhere else. So we'll, see, we'll see what happens there.